Shut up and sit down. The current state of politics is unsustainable. Uh, politically, economically, you know, you still have distrust there. We all come from very different places. Man, we don't want the government to do a damn thing. He deserves better. People have to have the information in front of them. It is about supporting, platforming, and, and assisting the people who are out here actually doing the fight. There you go. Like, just promote people who are doing something. Volunteer to work with people who you like. And just take an issue that's important to you and do something. You are part of that declaration against tyranny. This conversation gives me a little more hope for the future. The one, the only. Fight for liberty. This is the cherry on top. people welcome back to another episode of fight for liberty i'm your host david fight here to get you excited about people making the world a freer place and tonight we're going to have a great conversation about how trauma can hold us back from our own personal freedoms and how we can overcome that but first we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors like we always do first up We've got Blood of Tyrants wine. If you're looking for a nice night in while sipping on the blood of your enemies and supporting the destruction of the tyrannical state, look no further than Blood of Tyrants wine. A nice Cabernet distributed by activists you know and love, bloodoftyrants.wine is the place to go. And if you use promo code F4L, you're going to get $5 off your first order. Again, that is bloodoftyrants.wine, promo code F4L. Next up is Crafton Business Services. We are super excited to announce them as one of our new sponsors. They have a variety of services for your small business needs, and whether that's marketing and branding, uh, financial services like accounting and bookkeeping, or, or loans and cash advances, uh, web design, credit card processing, formation services, tax filings, all sorts of different things. Uh, so go on over to crafton.us and check them out today. But without further ado, Courtney Boyer is an author and a coach with way more degrees and trainings than I'm going to name right now. She wrote a book called uh, Not Tonight, Honey, Why Women Actually Don't Want to Have Sex and What We Can Do About It. And she is here tonight to break it down for us. Courtney, welcome to the show. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Uh, I So I like to start off the show usually with a kind of introductory uh, testimonial question. So I want to know what sure. um, what got you interested in just kind of the art of helping people? Yeah. So I grew up and loved watching Matlock. I don't know if you ever watched that or not. Oh, yeah. you are, but <laughs> my dad and I would watch that together. And I just loved just how he would investigate and like just it was just so well written and the, the drama and the, the courtroom and I wanted to be a lawyer so bad and I saw that as a way of really helping people in these really tough situations and obviously Matlock made it look so easy and so engaging <laughs> and um and I wanted to be just like him and so that's really what spurred me to um the idea of helping people obviously I didn't become a lawyer um, I, I, in college, I told my parents, uh, actually, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to study sex instead. <laughs> Every parent wants to hear. So, um, yeah, then I just went on that part. So, nice. yeah. 
I'm curious. How, yeah, how did that conversation go over? With you know, uh, I'm not. I'm not doing this thing that like most parents want your kid to do. I'm gonna go do this other yeah. thing that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, they kind of looked at me like, well, what are you gonna do with that? Like, how are you gonna make money? Hmm. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll work as a therapist or something. I don't know. Like, I didn't have a plan because it was like 20 in terms of like most colleges still had like their, their pamphlets and like sent you brochures in the mail. And mm -hmm. I just knew in my heart, like, this is just the path for me and, and I'll figure it out. And, and I guess I did. <laughs> so, nice. yeah. Uh, so how how did you uh, start off, I guess, finding people that needed this help? Yeah, so I first started as a sexuality educator. And so I worked um, and did a lot of sexuality education for, I mean, all kinds of groups and, you know, classes and stuff. And through that, a lot of people would come up to me afterwards and, and ask me questions like, hey, is this normal? Like I got asked that a lot. Is this normal? And I just, I wasn't clinically trained. And so I just was like, I'm sorry, but I, I can't really help you. And that just kept breaking my heart. And so then that led me back to graduate school again. And I went and got another. From there, just. really how it spread. I lost you a little bit there. Oh, are you still there? Yep. Uh, you're frozen, but I can at least hear you again. You're breaking oh, no. up there for a second. There we go. Maybe? Are you still there? Uh, yep, I'm here. David. Oh no. Okay, I don't know what happened. That was so weird. Can you see me? Now I can. There we go. Okay. Okay. Yay. Oh, technology. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Uh, so you you cut out about halfway through uh, that answer. You said that you were uh, I, I lost you just after that. Uh, it took you back to graduate school that you you know weren't clinically trained. Yeah, so I went to graduate school and got a master's in mental health counseling. Started advertising in like the yellow pages, and then that just did word of mouth and and went from there. So it. Uh, that's how I connected. Nice. What, what would you say is the so far been uh, the most rewarding part of the work that you do? Oh gosh, when when I get emails from from clients that say you changed my life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that I that's just unparalleled to be able to describe of how like working. I mean, I know they think I changed their life, but it's really the work that I did with them that really changed their life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's beautiful. Um, 
can you can you take us through because um, I feel like a lot of people that are would be watching this are kind of wondering what exactly a, a sexuality coach means. Uh, so can you take me through kind of the the average, you know, what what you're actually doing with with some of your clients and, and how you go about that? Yeah, a lot of it is really just creating a safe space for people. Um, so often we're just not taught that it's okay to express our feelings and our emotions and talk about hard things. Mm. And so I start by doing that as I really just create a space where people feel like they can just be honest with themselves and, and be honest with someone else and really just witness their, their pain and their struggle. And so a lot of that is what I do. Um, a lot of it's re-education, like helping them to like understand how their mind works, how their body works if we're talking about sex stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then just giving them permission a lot of the time to just go after what they want and to help them identify what it is that they want and really just encouraging them to create a life that, that is more authentic and works for them. That's awesome. Yeah, I know we were we were speaking a little bit in the emails, kind of planning this, and you know what what you sent me uh, as far as what you do, I think a hundred percent coincides with what we talk about on this show a lot. Even though it it, I'm sure plenty of people saw the thumbnail and were like, huh, how does that fit? Because a lot of the people I have on my show are you know politicians and activists and things like that. But I think. Uh, actually, last night I had a, a debate amongst uh, presidential candidates here in the U.S., and one of the main things that was talked about was how we need to actually be changing hearts and minds and culture and and like healing broken people instead of trying to shove mm. some sort of political philosophy down their throat. So I a hundred percent think that you know you can know all of the all of the factoids you want and and believe all of the politics you want, but if you're stuck in a prison of your own making in your mind you're never gonna actually see what freedom looks like a hundred percent that's really beautifully said yes so tell me a little bit about uh the book first of all like what inspired it and then what it's about yeah so gosh in the years that i've done this work i'd say two questions really came up the most um from women that i've spoken to and that is what's wrong with me and am I broken? And those two questions led me to write this book because I wanted to help women understand that they're not broken and there's nothing wrong with them and that it's a whole big multifactorial thing affecting their ability to show up sexually. So that's that's really where the inspiration came from. Hmm. And I, it's just a lot of the book, it, has cl like clinical vignettes so it's an amalgamation of actual client stories that have been combined some are actual like not verbatim but pretty close to verbatim client ex uh, exchanges that i had because i wanted women to see that they were not alone in their sexual struggles hmm. that's awesome um i haven't gotten a chance to to actually read uh through any of it um uh, so can what what kind of can you give us an an idea of what kind of struggles you're talking about here? I know that sure. Um, yeah. I know I know that a lot of especially from my my 
perspective as you know not a woman um there's i've i have a lot of female friends that i've talked to about some of this stuff and you know a few of them i actually you know sent the link to the actually almost all of them that i've talked about this kind of stuff too i've sent the link to this episode because i'm like hey this one's probably good a lot of my better friends don't uh don't watch every show so i have to like tell them like hey this one's one you might actually want to watch um yeah but from like i've heard a lot of stories but i've never mm. you know had to experience any of that myself or like seen had you know society tell me that i'm not supposed to like certain things or or that yeah. you know i i feel like especially being in my mid-20s by the time i got sexually active we were already pretty far in in a way of um kind of the freedom movement and you know we mm -hmm. i i didn't really feel that caged up at all sexually as as a teen or, or now uh, so yeah what kind of what kind of things are your clients going through yeah so i'd say a lot of the women that i talk to are in their 30s 40s uh early 50s and have grown up with like this the, like very dichotomous messages um where one is like you need to be sexual and pretty and and thin and um nice and polite and but then oh my gosh nope that's too much and then you're too sexual right it's just mm -hmm. these like back and forth messages so it, it's like to be this but don't be this you're too much of this and then there's a sense of obligation too of like sex being something that i provide for my male partner mm -hmm. so it's another thing that i need to check off my to-do list so you know, I mean, as moms, there we're running around and the kids, and a lot of us work full time. And then at the day, we're so exhausted, and our partner rolls over, get it on, and <laughs> we are exhausted. And it's just like, no, like I don't want to do that. And yeah. and it just we become so disconnected and devoid of pleasure, and this idea that pleasure is something that belongs to us and that we're entitled to and it it's just a, a, an overall resentment and frustration and disconnection that so many of the women I talk to have yeah I've I've definitely experienced that in just in my own life of most mo almost all of my partners throughout my entire adult life have been in in a mindset of you know sex is for me not for us and uh, f like for me personally, I don't, I, I don't really like that for me. Sex is, is, it's more the other way. Like we, we kind of share the mindset where, you know, it, for me, it's more about pleasing the other person. And a lot of the girls that I've been with are like really thrown off by that. Like, they're like, what, what mm -hmm. do you, what do you mean? I'm supposed to actually get off? Really? Yep. Yep. And it's, yeah. it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's an orgasm. So most and it takes between three to seven minutes for them to orgasm or ejaculate. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when that happens, sex is over, but most women, it takes 10 to 17 minutes for us to orgasm. So do, do you see the time gap? Yeah. <laughs> right. So like when men are done, sex is done. Women are left unpleasured. And so if that's been your experience, then of course you, when you get a partner, that's like, Oh no, like we're going to wait till you come and then I'll, I'll be done. Right. Or we'll, we'll all finish later. Um, that's just not typical. <laughs> yeah. It, I definitely think, you know, uh, God 
God screwed us over by creating <laughs> that that time gap, but then also the uh, the dichotomy of, you know, it doesn't have to be over once you finish necessarily as much as it kind of does the other way around. Uh, like just biologically, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, the two, those two things combined makes it very annoying. Yeah, no, it, it is. And it's, there's a lot of annoying things, especially with like most people, again, don't realize that like vaginal penetration alone doesn't lead to an orgasm for most women. It's mm -hmm. about like 65-ish percent of women require clitoral stimulation in order to have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And so most guys just think just ramming it in there is going to do it. And it's, Spoiler alert, it doesn't. So I wanna get your take on uh faking it. Like for the <laughs> for the sake of, you know, making making your male partner feel better. Yeah. I think faking it is a form of lying. And so if you are in a situation where you are this is a hard okay. <laughs> this is a hard one for me to answer because not everyone is in a relationship where they feel safe enough to be completely honest and to be completely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And when you are in a sexual situation, it usually people are like, well, then you shouldn't be having sex with them if you're not. And I think that's a really privileged position to be able to say like, oh, well, then just don't do it. And for mm -hmm. some women, that's just not an option. So if you are in an empowered position where you Feel like you can advocate for your needs and you're still choosing to fake it i think that's a bigger conversation and i don't mm -hmm. encourage people to fake it i think that they should really be honest about why they're faking it and honest about the conversation that they could possibly have with their partner to make sex better all around mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i 100 percent agree i i think that it's because to to risk coming close to a, a vein of like almost victim blaming uh i feel like that has led to an increase in the problem of like we don't most men don't really know how to finish somebody because they think they do like they've they've been with a dozen women in their life they've gotten them all off as far as they're right. concerned and yeah. you know i'm i'm good at this i'm doing the thing that i'm supposed to do and there's not even really a a need in our minds to change anything until yeah. they we finally meet a woman that has the balls to be like this is awful what are you doing yeah. please yeah. stop <laughs> real bad yeah yeah <laughs> This is not, I don't know what's happening here. No, but it's true. And and it's interesting because, you know, hookup culture is very, you know, prevalent and rampant. And mm -hmm. so often I think it's like 18% of women get off in a, in a one night stand situation or hookup where it's like 96% of men because they just, women are not great historically about advocating for what they want and so then they get you know these men in these situations and they just are like kind of lay back and expect like oh you'll, you'll take care of it and they don't so then it's like oh well, i'm here i need this needs to wrap up so let's just fake it and be done with it mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i um i think that there's really just a gigantic lack of communication between the genders of so so many different pieces yes. of this 
uh, where we're just a couple of honest conversations yes. at the beginning of the relationship. Hell, I've had that kind of a conversation with platonic friends where I feel like I would I would yeah. be able to you know do the thing better than some random dude that they met at a bar even though like I have no interest in ever doing that but just because I talk to people and I try to be the kind of person that you know people can talk about things to me that they wouldn't normally feel comfortable talking to everybody about and uh, you know, it's not that hard of a conversation to have, especially once you've had it a few times of just, you know, what are you into? How, how do you like po positions and, and stimulations and different kinks mm -hmm. and things like that? It's, I don't know, for me, it's, it's yep. part of the fun of like starting off a relationship is getting to know that side of somebody too. Uh, and, and a little bit before mm -hmm. the sex, because I don't know, that's kind of a fun, like foreplay build up kind of thing on top of everything else is getting to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that also requires a lot of self-awareness. And for a lot of women, they haven't mm. given themselves permission to have that self-awareness. Mm. And so those kind of conversations feel really overwhelming because I don't, they, they don't know what they want mm -hmm. because they've never taken the time to explore that or like really explore it, maybe explore it on behalf of a partner because some guy wanted to tie me up or he wanted me to, you know, dominate him or whatever. But like, no one said like what do you enjoy what gets like brings you joy like what gets you off like nobody typically asks women those things for themselves unless it's related to a performance and like showing up for a partner mm -hmm. so if if somebody's watching this and they're saying how how do i give myself that permission that you're talking about and like actually try to ask myself those questions where do they start? Yeah. I think the first thing is like really truly believing that you are worthy and deserving of pleasure. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily have to be sexually sexual pleasure. It can be any type of pleasure. And that's really where I start with a lot of my clients is helping them to connect with things that bring them pleasure outside of the bedroom first. So what are things that like, what's if I asked you what your favorite flower was, could you tell me? Like if I asked you what where you what you wanted to eat for dinner, could you tell me? And I know that that seems so ridiculous, but for so many women, especially moms, they're so used to putting other people's needs before their own. They like I don't I don't know I don't know. And that actually I talk about in the book is um, there's an example of a woman I asked these questions to, and she's like, I, I don't know. I just have my husband tell me what to order at a restaurant because I don't want to think about it. I'm mm -hmm. afraid of making the wrong decision. And so a lot of that is exploring, tr you know, trusting yourself, knowing that I do know what to do. Yeah, I, I, it, it's funny because it's a stereotype, right? Of like, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. You know, like I've, I've right. literally been to restaurants called I don't know because, <laughs> you know, they thought that they were funny. Um, that is cute. Uh, and it's, it's this like stereotype and it's, it's definitely like a weaponized stereotype and, and a very degrading one of you know like they they can never make up their minds about anything mm -hmm. but you know you're bringing this up like it's a much more deep-rooted issue than yeah. just picking where we're going for dinner or what movie we're watching because it's it's that you can't really pick anything and especially with kids it, it makes it so much mm -hmm. harder because you know you're talking about what do you like what do you want to do for dinner not only do you have to think about what you want you 
you have to think about what your husband wants, what your kids want. Like, it, mm -hmm. otherwise you're a bad mom or, you know, right. if you're just like, if you're only ever thinking about yourself, that's, that's, if you go too far <laughs> the other way, you're, you're, there's a problem there too. Uh, and like, I've had partners tell me yeah. either like during or after a relationship that I was like feeding into that. And I didn't even realize it because I thought I was being like mm. helpful. Like, if you can't mm -hmm. make a decision, I'll make it for you. Um, because I just felt like, you know, at the time she was too overwhelmed for that. And I was taking something off of her plate. Uh, and in, in the moment, it seemed helpful to both of us. But we had conversations right. later on about how uh, she just kind of got comfortable with that. And it kind of, the, you know, moved more and more uh, down the slippery slope into she kind of didn't feel like she had any control over anything. And like mm, it was never yeah. even my intention. I'm not a controlling or possessive person usually, but yeah. uh, you know, if if you ask me to be, I will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll make those decisions for you. Sure. Yep. Yeah. You know, I get to pick dinner every night. Sure. Like that yeah. sounds great. Done. <laughs> <laughs> um so okay, so if you you know, they're they're starting to you know, be able to be more self-aware with those kinds of things just what they want in general uh how do they transition that kind of back into the the bedroom or whatever room yeah absolutely um it's really about what feels good in their body and so this is another kind of like hoop or hill you have to climb for a lot of and i see this with men too it's if it if that pleasure if that feeling good in your body if it's like physical pleasure in your body doesn't feel safe then your body is going to reject that you, you're it's going to like nope this is not okay and a lot of times that has to do with a history of trauma and like abuse and and being able to like again feel that safety in your body that you may have never felt and so that's something that i explore with clients um but if they don't have a, a history of that and they really are able to embody pleasure, it's really about exploring their bodies for the first time. You know, like what, like touch yourself, not just genitals, but just all over. Like, does it feel good to like, just like run your finger down your arm or like to like just squeeze your, your leg or your, your elbow, like really coming into touches of different parts of your body obviously yes exploring the genitals to see how your your genitals react to different you know movements and textures and and whatnot um and not feeling shame around it like really really over just releasing the shame around that mm -hmm. yeah i i think one of the things you know i've actually i've had this conversation with a few people just in the last like week or two um because it's it's it was was on my mind even before uh, we talked, of uh, I think the a, a lot of people that I know were pulled more into various like kink communities and and kinks, not because they were actually kinky when they started off, but because it was the only community that offered them a place to actually talk about sexuality at all. Because, Absolutely. you know, I, you know, the kink community has been extremely, I don't know, just great, you know, historically for mm -hmm. a couple decades now of being, you know, safe and supportive yes. and, uh, you know, 
there you you've got some crazy people online but for the most part you know it's sure. a, a good like tumblr blog is a great place to go for for advice and has been since i was in like middle school um and i feel like a lot of people uh might have probably stayed just sort of vanilla most of their mm -hmm. lives if they had a vanilla community that they could have talked to about just like yeah. normal stuff at, at 16 17 when they were trying to figure out what was going on mm -hmm. um, yeah no i totally agree i think that i mean you know different fetishes and stuff but again that you know that all falls under the kink umbrella of really accepting people for who they are sexually like it's it's fantastic that that exists and I, and I agree I wish that there was something like more mainstream for people who are just like yeah I, I don't I'm not really drawn to that but I don't know where else to ask questions and have conversations and explore my limits and explore what feels good and this place over here is accepting so I guess I'll go join them mm-hmm yeah, I actually I've talked about this on the show a few times of a similar dynamic with like religion where there mm -hmm. isn't a community for people who just want to be good people. You know, there's no mm -hmm. like Sunday night or Wednesday night kids program for for you to take your kids to to just kind of learn how to be a good person. You know, there's like Boy Scouts and Girl mm -hmm. Scouts and like some kinds of things, but none with like an actual like moral focus the way that like uh an Awanas or some church program would be in in a various religion. Mm -hmm. You have to be kind of extreme in some way to find that community. And you can't just be like, sure. I just kind of want to be semi-spiritual, kind of like be a good person. Maybe I believe in like karma yeah. or something like that. And I want to teach my kids that with some fun games and activities and badges they can earn. That just doesn't really exist. And it, it kind of sucks, yeah. but it's the same. I feel like with this, you have to go like all the way to the end of the extreme before you really like find your people. Yeah, that is a good correlation. Yeah. Or um, connection. Yeah. <laughs> so have you have you found um, kind of the opposite stereotype from the like women don't like sex? The, the fact that like men always want sex to be like equally inaccurate and um have, have you have you worked with any of your uh like like men on on those kinds of issues so we're like, like the, the man is the one with the the high, lower sex drive yeah yeah i've had that of not as frequently <laughs> to be honest with you um, unfortunately, and, and I know it exists, like, um, it's like, that's the reality. It does exist. Uh, it's just not, unfortunately it has been in my client clientele of it is the short answer. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that it, there are men, I'm thinking of a really good friend. She wasn't a client though. Um, and that was something that she struggled with. But I'd say for out of every, you know, 10 couples or 10 individuals, I see probably one of them, the, the male is the one with the lower sex drive. That sounds, that sounds accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've talked to a few people who um, 
you know, it's not even that he has the lower sex drive, but just like a lower sex drive than say an X or something like that, which I feel like is almost always going to be the case as you get older. Uh, yes. You know, no one's going to have the same sex drive as your like high school boyfriend. Um, <laughs> but <No. laughs> but I, I've talked to some people who, uh, you know, back to what we we're talking about earlier, how it's like part of your duty as the female par- person in the relationship to like pleasure your partner. Uh, if they don't want it, then you feel like you're not a full woman. Uh, even oh, if, absolutely. Even if like, even if it's still a, a fairly normal sex drive, uh, it's still just like in their head, not high enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yes I, I and then they internalize that like there's something wrong with me you must be cheating on me like they mm. just jump to all of these conclusions and it, they can really dim, like demasculinate demasculinate um their partner because it's like you should want this and you don't what's wrong with you mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then that kind of that ends up usually turning into a catch-22 because then they're like in their head which if you're yep. in your head you're not in the mood you're not in your other head yeah Yeah, you're not sorry uh what's what's your opinion on uh like masturbation during like a committed relationship Uh, i know some people consider that like almost cheating Uh, um there's there's like a, a pretty wide spectrum there what's what's your take yeah i think um i i think it's a great it's great. I think you should masturbate and whenever, often in a relationship, single, whatever. However, because it is a controversial in terms of what people consider cheating and not cheating, I encourage couples to have that conversation about the boundaries in a relationship. Like, hmm. what is what is cheating for you? Is it looking at porn? Is it masturbating? Is it masturbating and not telling you? Is it kissing someone? Like talking to an ex? Like mm-hmm. what are the boundaries that we have in this relationship? And and that's a good way to figure it out. So I think that if a partner has a problem with them masturbating, a lot of times it's usually because there's pornography involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, having that kind of that conversation of like, hey, um, we need to have the porn and masturbation talk at the same time like which for me it's like oh do you, can you pass the cereal or do you want coffee do you watch porn like mm-hmm. those are normal things for me to talk about but i know that it's not yeah. normal for a lot of other people to talk about and so being comfortable with um because people those are such personal issues for people like if you ask what kind of porn do you watch they're like you basically ask me who i voted for you know and if they're not comfortable having those you know, like private conversations, like they're, they're right. Then they feel threatened. And then when people feel threatened, they shut down and they don't want to engage and then they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the kind of show where we ask you the hard hitting questions. Like, do you watch porn and who you voted for? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> Same time. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. Cause I think, I think like I've definitely even even for myself, like just trying to like think back and and be self-aware. I have I've definitely been in situations where porn has been a very negative presence in the relationship because it is kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. pulling pulling me away from the partner. And then there's other Mm -hmm. times 
you know, I've had a few exes where, you know, we were just sending porn back and forth to each other all day. And it was like really hot. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we would, you know, take our frustrations out on each other. And it was great. And it was it was like a really beneficial piece of the relationship. And I feel like like really in I mean, this is anecdotal, but like it, it all comes down to whether or not the other person is as into uh pornography as i am or at least Mm -hmm. close uh because if they don't then they don't understand why i do uh and and there's that disconnect where if it's somebody who's been watching porn for a decade or two then they it it's more normal for them right yeah and it, it totally comes back to you know individual views on porn and you know there there's a lot of people especially women who like there's so much shame around sexuality for women watching porn masturbating just their body our bodies in general and so there's a lot of hoops that they have to get through in order to like kind of arrive whereas men don't have as many and i'm not saying that they don't because they do but Mm -hmm. it's not as many compared to what women have to face yeah um in your experience because i know the the stereotype is that you know women only re- like the stereotype is starting to break at for like gen z ish and like most of my generation and the millennials but like the stereotype is still pretty standard like women don't watch porn uh right. is that your experience as well um i would say that has changed i would i would say five to ten years ago it was very like you didn't talk to your girlfriends about it you you like wouldn't freely admit it to anybody they -hmm. they did but nobody talked about it Mm -hmm. um and now i'm seeing a lot more open with like women talking to their girlfriends about it like women talking to them about like the kind of vibrators that they use and the kind of porn that they watch and like it's it's a very it's much more sex positive i don't know i mean like i'm 40 so i don't know if it's like because like my friends are hitting 40 and they're just like you know, screw it. We're <laughs> going to do whatever we want to do. And we don't care. We're tired of, we're tired of not being pleasured or not, you know, living life to the fullest. And now we want to, and we have the world at our fingertips. So <laughs> I do feel like it's changing. Uh, the fingertip pun was good. I know. I know. Uh, I no. did that <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. I, I think at least in, if if you would ask me like two or three years ago, I would have said like that stereotype is a complete lie, and most women uh, either uh, either watch or read. I guess would be my like caveat yeah. because oh yeah, absolutely, I'll give you that one. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but I've I have met way more people in the last actually just like a year or so mm-hmm. that don't that just like mm-hmm. never have. Uh, have never really like explored any side of I guess self-pleasure at all uh, which is I don't know I guess I especially you know I I jumped into the kind of like kink group fairly young um, so like consensual age but like pretty early on in uh, my sex life so most of the people that I talked to were like online because they were online sharing porn with me or something like that so it's Mm -hmm. not it was it was a very one-sided perspective and i feel like i've i've met a lot wider of a group of people and some more like 
people that maintained their conservative upbringing uh, a little bit longer than my mm. friends did because me and my friends all bucked it at a really early age where now I'm meeting people who actually just like, you know, did the thing and mm. have been monogamous and, you know, like virgin on their wedding night kind of thing. Still in my generation, which I didn't yeah. think was happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, I have not been that familiar with that since my generation. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would say that has not been my experience. I, I and, and it could be, too, because, I mean, I'm a very sex positive person mm -hmm. and people are going to be much more likely to come to me and share with me that like, Hey, like I bought my first vibrator or like, Hey, like this is like, I really finally like watch porn or they'll ask me, what do you, what are your thoughts on porn? And then we'll have a discussion like, yeah, I watch it a few times and it's, and it's okay or whatever. But, mm -hmm. um, I tend to not attract the people who are uber conservative sexually, like really conservative. Like don't like, I grew up uber conservative. Like I, graduated with most people in my class were virgins when they got married they married their high school sweetheart mm -hmm. um so yeah i i have i have those friends in my circle well acquaintances in my circle but yeah for the most part i'd say those those aren't the people coming to <laughs> and talk courtney can't wait, i want to tell you about this <laughs> fair enough yeah. um I, I was trying to be one of those people. I, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 18 and engaged and like almost a little under three months away from my wedding that didn't end up happening. Um, so, you know, it di didn't work out that way. Uh, and I kind of like very quickly was like, well, you know, if I'm not going to marry the one, you know, it's, it's automatically going to be the two at least might as well be three or four. Uh, <laughs> you know, what, what difference does 14. it really make? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, you... yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, but I, I really thought that I was going to be one of those like really goody two shoes Christian boys that, you know, uh, oh, yeah. d you know, didn't do anything until he was married. And, you know, we were basically in the mindset of like, it's close enough at this point. We've been engaged for six months. We've got the, our dresses and yeah. are all bought. The venue is booked. Like we're doing this. We're as good as married close enough. Yeah. Um, I guess not. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, actually, that was one of the things that really led to the breakup. Uh, I'm so glad that I like moved away and and then uh, so like none of my friends from back then watch this show. Uh, but uh, we were going through premarital counseling at our church, and our pastor said that if I couldn't control myself en enough to not have sex before marriage then I wouldn't make a good husband mm. and like chewed us out for for having sex and like you know you told us to stop and we did for maybe like two weeks um mm -hmm. and you know it was very mu a mutual decision to stop stopping but uh she he got into her head uh, that it was you know my decision because of mm. a lot of the stuff we've been talking about of you know yeah. it's it's always me that or, you know the guy that that's the one wanting yep. it and so you know it's also up to the guy to not want it in in his mm -hmm. mind and you know there were a lot of other problems with in in the relationship but um and you know we were just kind of like bickering a lot and you know there was there was a whole bunch of other things there but that was like the real like hard catalyst that led to mm -hmm. us calling off the wedding was her just feeling like I wasn't respecting her enough 
to not give mm-hmm. in to my urges. Yeah. I, I think that was bullshit, but <laughs> maybe still dodged a bullet. I mean, she's like happily yeah. married now. No, but- and so good for like, yeah. it's good that it didn't work out, but I think that was some BS advice. Yeah. I mean, that's funny that you say that. Cause so I grew up like in the purity culture where there was, um, I talk about this in the book of where I was sitting on the gym floor of a summer camp. And this woman was talking about how we needed to go back and write our future husbands a letter. And I remember doing that, writing my future husband a letter and I, I saved it. I think I may have given it to my actual husband on close to our wedding as like a joke, you know, like, oh my gosh, look, I saved this thing. And, but it was very much, um, you know, like you're, you're saving yourself for your husband and he's doing the same because that's what good husbands do. And because of that, God will bless you and have, you will have this great, they didn't ever explicitly say you'll have this great sex life, but it was inferred like God will bless you in your marriage and you guys will have a great, a great life together. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, awesome. Sign me up for that. (laughs) That, you know, and yeah, Yeah. it didn't happen. So (laughs) in reality, it's, it's very unlikely that if you wait until after the wedding day to figure out what they're into sexually and how compatible you are, the quality of sex life is probably not going to yeah, be super like that, great. Here's a, like sex is a skill. Like a lot of people don't like to think about that, but it is a skill mm-hmm. just like cooking and baking and basketball. Like those are all skills. And there are some people who are just naturally good at it and they know how to like get it done. But there are other people that really don't, and they need a lot more practice. And they need, and that doesn't mean practice to having to have hundreds of partners. Like if you do, great, I don't care. But really, like understanding a human and like how it works and how things respond and like communicating your desires. Like it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It it it's it takes practice. It takes trial and error. Um, but I, I do think, um, I don't, there, I think that there's some, there might be some truth to that, like uber conservative, like, you know, like giving away a piece of your heart kind of thing. Uh, but I don't think, I don't know if that has anything to do with sex per se. Uh, you know, I've, there, there are people in my past that I feel like have much bigger, like, chunks of my heart that are just going to be missing forever that I never had sex with. We just, like, were in love for a couple mm. of years as, like, in middle school or, or junior high. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that there's, there's a little bit of truth to it, but it's way too tied to, to sex specifically instead of just, like, uh, emotional vulnerability. And I don't think that that's a bad that vulnerability is a bad thing necessarily, either. But I think that that's more of what leads to some of that like long term damage than just sex by itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's so much more complicated. Like there's energetic exchanges. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, sorry, I didn't that's... know if you could hear me. Yeah, and there's like energetic exchange um sexually emotionally like it happens and and that where people like they don't take your energy per se but right like you you give it and they receive it or they absorb it or whatever and 
So trying to, you know, figure out how to cut that off and get it back. And you know, it's a little wooey, but hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, I Right on the, the vein of what we're talking about, I just got a text from one of my good friends that's watching, uh, Ben Heckman. And he asked me to ask uh, what your take on, you know, casual sex and hookup culture is and their effect on loving and healthy relationships later on. Uh, yeah, um, that's, I'm a, okay, <laughs> it depends. I think it depends on why you're seeking casual sex. Um, I think a lot of times people will use casual sex as a way to like bypass the work that needs to be done mm -hmm. so that you can casual sex has its place i think people are at different points for different reasons i will never ever judge somebody if they only are ever in a casual casual sexual relationships mm -hmm. i would encourage them though to consider at what point because casual is is, is shallow right like it's it's not again that sounds like judgment but it's not like there's there should be relationships in your life that have depth like mm -hmm. i fully believe that because that requires that that's how we grow we grow and we we allow others to grow and we just experience so many incredible things when we're able to go deep that doesn't need to be in all of our relationships so back to your question about the hookup culture I think I would encourage people who are engaging in hookup culture to consider why, why they're doing it. Is it because they just want to have a good time and have fun? Great. Go do that. That's, that's wonderful. But if it's preventing you from developing and forming really like healthy, long lasting relationships, and I'm not talking about monogamy, I'm just talking about like relationships in general, mm -hmm. then I think that you're avoiding and you're bypassing the work that allows you to be like a better version of yourself yeah that's a that's a really good answer um i i couldn't agree more um i yeah so i i'll, I'll ask a, a, a kind of follow-up do you think that somebody could um like carry on a fulfilling life without being in an actual romantic relationship by kind of supplementing between like platonic friends and friends with benefits sexually uh what was the first part of your question can they be in a full can like, they be say, like, do, say, do you think that they could uh like fully supplement that by you know not having not building that like serious uh like emotion or you know romantic connection but still getting that depth with their friends and with like maybe a consistent one or two friends with benefits where they're actually able to explore that side of things too. Yeah, I think they can. I, I absolutely, I do. Um, I'm not the, I am, I think that the traditional, you date, you marry, you are monogamous for the rest of your life. I don't think that works for everyone. And so I think that relationships can fall on a spectrum and that includes right behavior in relationships. And so for some people, like they are more, like I think of individuals who are like married to their jobs, 
and they're like that is their passion and like they are like all in like that is what they are focused on and so they don't they choose to not invest in like one other main person as a partner and so maybe they do just supplement with like those other things so absolutely i think that they can find fulfillment in other things i know that not everybody is going professionally not everyone would agree with me on that one but i just uh I think as long as they're not they're not avoiding something in themselves, that's that's the key for me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on uh, like open and poly relationships? Um. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Yeah. I think that that is. Um, I think. Uh, the, the nuclear family, the way that it is set up is just not set up for success for, mm. I mean, I, I, that's just, that's not a lot of people are going to agree with that. And that's totally fine. But I yeah. think that the way that, um, <laughs> I, I know there's plenty of people that are going to watch that and go, what do you mean? The nuclear family is the most important thing. And the thing is, you're just, not uh, disagreeing with what yeah. they're saying. You're just saying no. that it could be bigger or more yes. dynamic. Yes. And it's, it's not for everyone. Like I work with so many couples who are miserable. They did, they got, they, they dated, they got married, they did everything that they were supposed to do. They're in a sexless marriage or they met, like have sex once a year. Like they like, why are we, why are we in this together? Oh, because we have to be, hmm. because we're supposed to be. And I, I'm not a big fan of doing anything out of obligation or doing anything because like right to check the box, like that's not how you live authentically. So if that means non-monogamy, whatever, I think that that's a totally legitimate option. So for people watching who are hearing that and being like, yeah, that sounds like a really good plan, but my partner would hate it. Mm-hmm. How would you suggest they try to approach that topic with their partner? Assuming that it's at least mutual agreed upon that there is a problem. Um, but, you know, how, how would you go about suggesting that as a solution? Mm. Yeah, sometimes I like to use what are like, um, like filler or not filler, but like, like a proxy. So like, hey, did you hear about like Jan and Brad? Like, oh, they're like really having problems. Kind of something that's like similar to you and your partner's problems. Mm. And then you're like, oh, and here's the solution that they came up with. What are your thoughts on that? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they kind of, you're like, okay, so that gives you kind of an idea, plants the seed. Um, I think having those conversations, like I'm really unhappy. Like I'm really struggling in the way that our relationship is right now. And I value you so much that I want to figure out how to fix this. I don't see a way to traditionally fix this. Let's look at some th- the, some options outside the box. Mm-hmm. And I think ha- having like a professional help walk, like be with you through that process is really helpful too. Somebody who's it, who's open to non-traditional relationships. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a hard conversation to have. It's scary. It's a scary conversation to have with your partner uh, because you could lose it all. And, but I think you also have to realize that like if you're miserable and you continue to shrink yourself, like you're not doing anybody any favors by staying where you're at. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think this is one of those ways that I think, you know, back to the like porn conversation, uh, it's it's very helpful for a lot of the different other conversations if you have kind of established, even if it's not something that like happens often, but you've established that like, you know, every once in a while you guys will like watch porn together while you, you know, kind of foreplay or something like that. You know, it's it's something that that is something that's okay in the relationship established as okay. Then you can kind of sneak a lot of these conversations in that way with like just watching something along the lines of like you know are you are you into this does this look fun to you um and and it doesn't have to really be it doesn't have to you don't have to make it personal because it's in the moment it's just about like is this going to turn you on to watch so that we can have fun together and if the answer is no then you know that that's just a conversation you probably can just avoid uh, but if it's yes, then you can move it for- further and kind of personalize it. So the other person doesn't have to feel like attacked or, or anything like that, or like they're being demanded to do something, but just asked if they want to watch something. Um, I've, that's, I mean, that's how I brought up, I think almost all of those types of conversations with a lot of my partners mm-hmm. is just, you know, if we're sending stuff back and forth, it's like, all right. What about this? What about that? Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I love that. Like not making it personal. Like this is just something I'm sharing with you. I mm-hmm. hope that you're open to receiving that. And if you're not, that's okay. Um, but not like you don't need to degrade my character or like I'm not like trying to insult you or saying that you're not enough because of whatever. Mm-hmm. Someone in the comments says men doing the housework is the best born. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Uh, oh. <clears throat> um, so uh, back to the just the the like open and and poly relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Have you had more experience with um, kind of the open like one off sort of things with other people, or or more of the kind of poly, uh, you know? adding someone to it or or like a committed boyfriend outside of the marriage something like that yeah i think most people start with casual is what i've seen like that's how they um like dabble into it Mm -hmm. or they'll bring in a third like have a threesome um and so then or they'll go to a sex party or swingers party or a club and that's really their introduction to non-monogamy and then i think for some people they realize like i don't really like the casualness of it or like the shallowness of it just being sex focused like they really desire a relationship with someone else and Mm -hmm. so that's what really propels them to step into polyamory is they want more than just the casual one night stand they want more than just hooking up at a a swingers party yeah so (coughs) but it's it's a complicated it's it's an it's an evolving thing for a lot of individuals I we're just not raised where non-monogamy is normalized mm-hmm. yeah and i guess uh oh, you one of the one of the negative sides of porn in my experience in my opinion is and on so this conversation they don't really oh, know what they want until they like... start experiencing it mm-hmm. 
sorry there we go, go. ahead um you're good um what was this oh um i was just saying that um i think one of the the kind of negative sides of a lot of the porn that i've seen out there is that for the most part if you're if you're looking at something that's non-monogamous it's very often uh like negative it's like cuck not open yeah. relationship and so it's about yeah. like um, you know the you're not enough for me so I need to go find something else instead of like uh, you know let's expand our love for each other and the experiences and the pleasures that we can both have by you know trying other things which is right. what I think like in real life is a lot more common but if you're kind of trying yes. to look for inspiration or, or, or something like that and you you go online trying to find something a lot of it is very <laughs> very very negative and it I know like for me oh, personally yeah. for a while it like had me completely turned off to it for years I was like a very yeah. like even though I was very like sex positive I was very um like monogamous possessive once I was in a committed relationship mm. because like yep. no uh, like I need to be enough for you um, mm. and then yeah. I got into a relationship with somebody who um, like I knew going in was Polly we we kind of we started mm. hooking up um, before we ever even considered it being a relationship so I knew going in what I was what I was getting into and mm -hmm somehow i mean she just specifically as a person was amazing and really like positive and very like um reassuring about everything and mm -hmm. like kind of eased me into it like really great you know like we don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable with we can take this as slow as you want like i don't need to go out and fuck other people so like if you're not comfortable with that for a little while like that's fine and you know was very awesome about it and there just wasn't really ever a problem with it. i i it was almost a complete like s flick of a switch of that's horrible no never to um yeah this is fine just because the right person was able to kind of like introduce me to it right. and explain it to me and and made me feel like i was enough but you know most of our relationship was long distance so mm. i can't be enough like, yeah. for, like if you're going to go out to the bar with some friends and see a cute guy, like, of course, I want you to be able to get off, like, actually, like, with somebody else and have a good time. I'm seven yeah. states away, and I would kind of like the freedom to do the same thing. Um, yeah. And, and it was never really a problem, and it was, uh, you know, we broke up for completely other reasons. Yeah, no, I think that is a totally viable. I mean, yeah, I think it's a great option. Um, again, I, not a lot of people are in like per, in my profession will tell you that they, mm -hmm. they are big proponents of monogamy. And I just, I think that monogamy can be really oppressive to females, especially. Um, and I just, I think it's something that should be more normalized. Non-monogamy should be more normalized. Yeah. I mean, back to that, like, time gap thing that you were talking about earlier. Like, yeah. if there's six dudes, then you're fine. Like, the, <laughs> the, the math makes sense there. Um, it's true. It, yeah, that it, is true. <laughs> Line them up. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so how did you go about um, kind of getting all of the thoughts and information that you had into some pages bound 
in, in an actual yeah. book and then kind of market that to people and, and explain that to people. Yeah. Um, I hired a book coach. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I am out of my element. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I know that I'm smart and I know that I have a way of communicating really hard topics to people. I don't know how to do that in a other than essays that I wrote in graduate school. And so mm. I worked with her and she was phenomenal and just helped me through the whole process and really like helped me. Yeah. She's amazing. I love her. So nice. yeah. And then from there, um, it just word of a lot of it's just been word of mouth. Like I just so many friends and colleagues and clients just really championing me and the book and um the work that i do i've been so moved by how many men have read the book and how many men are like i have i had no idea you struggled with your body image i had no mm -hmm. idea that you're that there was the time right the orgasm gap thing like mm -hmm. they just they had never talked about it with their partners and you're not getting this from the media like people just aren't teaching you these things you're not getting yeah. it in health class really cool and and just my favorite part yeah that's awesome yeah because it it takes you know women co like stepping out and being like i'm gonna actually educate the men on this shit to for us to ever <laughs> like i said for us yeah. to ever really realize that there's even a problem that needs fixing uh because yeah, yeah. like it, it's really hard to fix a problem you don't know exists and yeah. Uh, so much of relationship culture right now is just like stroking the dude's ego as much yes. as possible. And, you know, there's no real reason for us to change that necessarily. You know, we're not exactly yes. incentivized to, to switch that I up. No. Yeah. No. What is the consequence of of changing? Right. Like there's mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I probably like I I think if I if I hadn't gotten into some of the like fetishes and other things that I did at a young age and kind of got like realized that I was a switch and, you know, liked to be submissive sometimes and like to please like I'm sure I would have gotten swept up into that culture as well. I just like at like 19 was reading a bunch of like tumblr blog posts and stuff about like how to actually please somebody because i was into that as like you know above and beyond i but i think i mean i don't know that shouldn't be above and beyond like it that, that should be part of sex is my opinion is like right it, sh it should be about making the other person feel good too and the fact that a lot of people don't don't think that is kind of mind-blowing yeah it's interesting too how many men say that they're into that like oh yeah no totally i love looking i love doing all of these things and then like you get there and you're like what what the what happened to to all the the talk right it's gone mm -hmm. because it's almost like they knew what they needed to say to get in your pants and then you're yeah. like well, that was disappointing <laughs> yeah so I know, uh, like in my experience personally, there's been there have definitely been people where, you know, I've talked a big game and then, um, 
I'll usually be okay at the beginning, but if the the feelings aren't there, you know, sparks aren't flying, and I don't like feel the need to please, then I come up real short on on how much game I was spending <laughs> earlier. Because I just I don't know if I'm not if I don't have that like real connection, okay. then um, I mean honestly I I'm fairly picky about who I have sex with in general. Uh, you know, if if there's not a connection where it's actually going to be good and like mutually, you know, pleasurable yeah, beneficial. and beneficial, mm-hmm. there's no real reason for it, in my opinion. I most of my friends, you know, have been doing the, the like casual sex thing. I've, I'm not that good at like pickup culture either. So I didn't really have the ability early on and then just didn't have the want later on to, to do that kind of stuff. And there were enough like long-term relationships that I could build up with people that could turn into something and, you know, random friends with benefits and things like that, that kind of kept me feeling mostly fulfilled. And I didn't need to just like go to a bar and hook up with somebody random that I didn't know who, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't, it's, that's never really appealed to me, but I understand why it does for other people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I lost my train of thought of what I was saying before that though. (laughs) Um. Oh, uh, back to the the book. I was gonna ask. Yes. Um, what has been uh, or what was what was kind of the the hardest part about breaking down like everything that was going on up here? Um, I know you you said that you had a coach walk you through most of it. Which big takeaway from the whole episode is get a coach to help you through things. Um, but, uh, what did you find most difficult about that process? I would say how it affected my own marriage and my own, I was prepared for that. Mm. Um, so the whole research and just a lot of other things in the media that around women's bodies and, and whatnot that I was, I was just, it felt like a lot in a very short period of time for me um, that I was not prepared for. Mm. Yeah. That, that sounds rough. Um, have you, have you had that experience a lot in your career with kind of just taking on too much of like other people's, baggage that you feel like you're struggling to really work through your own? Um, I'd say, yeah, there's been, uh, recently because I, I moved away from therapy and moved into more of like a, like a hybrid therapy coaching model. So I really don't do a lot of work with like people who are just newly discovering like, Oh, I was, I had this trauma and whatnot. Like I, I, I work with a lot of people who have already done the work or already worked with a and clients who have come up in decade. That was a lot for me recently that I was like, whoa, <laughs> not prepared for that. <laughs> and so it did feel, it felt really has been hold me and I don't, I don't remember the last time I've done that because of a client. Mm. Yeah. 
so for um, kind of back to almost my original or one of my first questions for for the people sure. who've been who've been watching this and kind of, you know, uh, taking in a lot of what's been said and, you know, try, wanting to kind of open up to that experience of figuring out yeah. what it is that they like and what it is that they want. Um, how how do you really balance that with the like actual real life demands of what other people want? I'd say scheduling time for yourself, like really being like, okay, I'm going to give myself five minutes today, or I'm going to give myself 30 minutes once this week where I really get to deep dive and just sit with myself, touch myself, explore, like watch some different kinds of, of porn. I'm a big fan of like, you know, feminist porn, you know, by women for women so that it's ethically, you know, produced and made and not, mm -hmm. you know, human trafficking or whatever. Um, so where you, you just like start somewhere and just be like, okay, it's only going to be five minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is that I'm going to connect with myself. But really you have to believe and give yourself permission for pleasure. Like I have a chapter in the book called permission for pleasure, because if you do not believe that you are worthy and deserving of that pleasure, then it's going to be a hell of a hard time to make time for yourself to enjoy those things. Mm -hmm. What are some, uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, like not just sexual pleasures. What are some other yeah. things that they can uh, kind of get into to ease into it? Yeah. So in the book, I talk about establishing a pleasure practice. And so some finding things that like bring you pleasure. Like I love the smell of a great cup of coffee. Mm. Like that brings me pleasure. Like, oh my gosh. Or like watching the leaves fall, like when it's, or the snowfall, like that just, I, I don't know why it just brings me pleasure. And so Bath. For some people, it's lighting a candle and reading a book. I mean, there are just so many different options that you can go going for a walk, like gardening, like mm -hmm. any of those things can be things that bring you pleasure. Yeah. Heck yeah. I, I saw a TikTok uh, the other day talking about um, like eating during self-pleasure and, uh, you know, how how that can kind of. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I had never really thought, I, I guess like it's, it's obviously something that's like a little bit common, you know, like you think of like chocolate covered strawberries or something like that is right. like, you know, right into your head or something like that. But, you know, they were talking about, um, like the juicier fruits or something like that, something that's going to be like a little <laughs> bit messier and, you know, um, like, or, or just like something that's completely like uh like junk food and just like completely self-pleasure whatever like not caring um and it was it was an interesting video i i'll admit i haven't had a chance to like really test out the advice in it uh but it it definitely changed my um my thought process on it and it, it definitely piqued my interest that's for sure yeah, I think any time that you can incorporate more senses and make it a sensual experience, mm. like turn on turn on music, 
turn on like lights and candles, like getting any any of the senses incorporated. But a lot of times people are like, well, I got five minutes and I'm just going to jack off and move on and, you know, with my day. Like that's right. That's fine. That's a means to an end. But I but I, I think that that's seeing sex is such a disposable thing. And I think that that can also carry into the relationships that we have with other people and how we approach sex with other people. Um, so in having the opportunity to really connect and take the time and incorporate the other senses is, yeah, I think that's a really beautiful thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. I often forget that the word sensual means what it does. And because, you know, you, mm -hmm. you usually just it's it's like a softer version of sexual it's like it's like yeah, heck right. instead of hell or something like that right <laughs> like it's just it's just a softer yeah. version of that word and you don't really you don't often hear it in context of the other senses uh right. like said like that and you don't really think about the fact that you know a, like you said a sensual experience means as many senses as possible most yeah. people are literally just doing one maybe two yep. Uh, if you like touch and sight and that's it and yep. there's a whole bunch more to be involved there right absolutely uh, I know uh, I for me it's actually very difficult if there isn't also like audio involved of some mm -hmm. sort like it's uh, yeah I don't know it's just not fun yeah <laughs> yeah it's true you and, and paying attention to those things like, gosh, I really enjoy hearing. I really enjoy like smelling like mm -hmm. just but again, sex has been so dirty and shameful for so long. And, and just like you just turn off the lights and close your eyes and just wait till it's over. Right. I mean, and, and it, it, it doesn't it shouldn't be that I, I don't like the word shouldn't. But I for this, I don't believe it should be so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you bring up a, another interesting thing, uh, the, the like lights on li or lights off conversation. Um, mm. I, I've always found it mind boggling that people have sex with the lights off at all. <laughs> and then I realized that it's like a vast majority of people in the generations above me. And yes. I don't understand. I, I, what? I don't get that at all. You, you don't really? I, I don't know. I, for me, like, it's just always been, I mean, I guess like if, if it's like for, for a, a reason, I guess like, I don't know if we're trying to, to like remove the sense of sight, then like blindfolds or something like that are, are fun. But if we're just, what they're trying but if you're do. just trying to like have sex, why wouldn't you be able to see the other, why wouldn't you want to be able to see the person you're having sex with? It just like, honestly, yeah i don't yeah. know like i said i've i feel like i got lucky and grew up fairly like privileged as far as like a lot of these thought processes go and dodged a lot of the like internalized trauma that we're talking about and so that one just has never clicked yeah. oh that's a lot of body shame a lot of just shame in general so if i eat then it just kind of disconnects it from what's happening mm -hmm. that makes sense um yeah i guess i've always kind of thought about it um about like seeing not necessarily being seen so reversing mm. that definitely i guess makes makes a lot more sense 
Um, yeah. And that's a big thing for a lot of women, especially after they have kids, is like, I don't want my partner to see my body like this now. Like, it's, it's fluffier, it's, it's whatever it is. And so there's so much insecurity around that body that the lights literally, it's like a security blanket. It's for some women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so as, as they're kind of, uh, you know, experiencing more there uh, and figuring out more, uh, how would you advise them to try to find out about more more things to figure out whether or not they like it. Yeah, I think there's lots of different ways you can do it. Um, if you're like, I'm scared to do a Google search, there's so many different podcasts out there, even like mainstream podcasts that have guests on, like sex, like experts and therapists who talk about like the different options and things that you can do. If you feel brave enough, you know, having a partner or friends talking to them about it. And like what you were saying, you know, like you were exposed and brought into a community because you showed an interest and not that people who are saying like, gosh, I want to, you know, join this kink community. But if you are trying to like, gosh, I'm kind of curious about this. I'm not ready to dabble, but I'm at least want to be understand it. I think that that's another great way is to find people that you know that are open and that will be like, hey, yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions or going on Reddit or different blogs. And I mean, there's just so many different ways that you can like search, like how to not be vanilla or, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, not that I, I love vanilla, right? It's great. Oh. Um, but yeah, there's just giving again. Like if you're good, I just want it to be maybe a little, it's cool, but it, it can be more than that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you made a really good point earlier about um, like women made content um, and like for the, for the ethical reasons, but also just for the, uh, I, I just, I feel like, most women made content is free of a lot of the kind of societal baggage that we're talking about and more likely to yeah. be um, more accurate, more honest, more like genuine and, you know, actually what women want instead of, uh, you know, what men want to think women want and jack off to, which exactly. is what most of porn yeah. is. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yep. so like, I've always preferred like, uh, Twitter or Tumblr or something like that to like a Pornhub or something because mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's e even just, uh, you know, on, on top of what we're already talking about, just the idea that like somebody else found this content hot and then shared it just makes mm -hmm. it hotter in my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. um, but that's definitely because of other things. I don't think that's like an across the board thing. Um, but I, I don't know. I've, I've just always preferred stuff that's coming from a female who's like actually turned on by this because it means that like, that's mm -hmm. actually something 
real. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if your your experience is similar in that. Yeah, I'm. I don't think most of the women that I talk to aren't that familiar with like female made porn it's usually just kind of like the porn hub or you know like 50 shades of gray or whatever mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that's on netflix it's kind of racy-ish you know mm -hmm. um and so i encourage them like hey just you know as a an aware an aware consumer um you know you might want to think about like some of these other sites that are more like female friendly or more mm -hmm. um whatever and so yeah, I, I don't think that, I think they just literally probably go to, like, whatever it is, that, which is unfortunate. Um, because, again, right, people just don't have those these kind of conversations of, like, hey, you know, that there's different ways that porn is made, and there's different points of view, and there's different, right? It's just not a normal conversation to have. Yeah. Um... Well, hopefully we can we can see society yeah. continue to move and change that because I mean I think yeah. we're 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 moving in the right direction uh, in a lot of ways. I think in some ways my generation and like the millennials somewhat overcorrected, especially the younger side of us. Uh, but I've seen a lot of Gen Z kind of swing the pendulum back to a more like decent place where it's not like you have to be a slut <laughs> um yeah. like because yeah. a, a good chunk of like people that grew, uh like graduated around my age um you know that we we were told that like if you weren't hooking up if you if your yeah. body count was under like 30 or 40 on your wedding day you were a loser yeah. um yeah. and so Gen Z is like, well, that's not true, but we also don't need to go like boomer as conservative with this and right. we can meet somewhere in the middle. And that's, I don't know, it gives me hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I do appreciate that a hundred percent. And that's something too, like I have, you know, I have three kids and so raising them and, and trying to convey these messages to them of, you know, like having these conversations and it's, yeah. <laughs> body count i haven't heard that for a, a while that's funny <laughs> forgot about that word um yeah that one's really tough um with <clears throat> a lot of the different topics of like you want to be you don't want to be like the controlling conservative kind of uh yeah. narrow-minded whatever that previous generations yeah. have been but you also don't want your kid getting high and sleeping around at 14 like you know like but yeah you know weed isn't evil but but maybe wait and like you know sex isn't evil but like maybe you know care about who it's with the first couple times that you know and it, it's really a hard kind of middle ground yeah. to walk it's a lot easier to talk to you know full-grown adults who are yeah. are already past the point of no return with a lot of that and it's just like okay now let's try to like figure out how you can feel more fulfilled in it not like yeah. how do you shape a young mind that parts i i'm very glad that i have years and years and years to worry about that <laughs> yeah yeah it's really fun yeah <laughs> um i guess i'll i'll ask um uh before we wrap up any any tips on on that topic specifically like how to uh how to address this kind of a topic to uh like older teens who are 
starting to become more aware? Yeah, I th- so um, I think one of the ways to do that is to really validate their feelings. love you're not what this like that's not helpful like and then help to try to understand like how how that makes them feel so like if they're like like my 14 year old like my 14 year old is like i'm the only virgin in my class Mm. and i was like well virginity is a social construct and so that i was (laughs) like i'll save that lecture i'll save that lecture and so and she's like i'm like they're probably lying, right? I, it was actually a really bad parenting move on my part because instead of just sitting with her feelings, I tried to just like dismiss the likely of being awful that she's feeling sexually hmm. active kid. Yeah. And so if I could go do it again, I would validate her feelings and explore those. And then remind her too that like having sex at 14, it's not good sex. Like, I'm like, don't settle for shitty sex. Like, that's really what it is. Yeah. You know, that's a good, I like that. I like that. That's good advice. Don't settle for shitty sex. That is, that is a really good way to approach that specifically. Well, yeah. Um, I, all right. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to, give you a chance to tell people how to find you on like social media, how to sure. get a hold of you, how to read your book, um, and then any other things that you want to, you know, shout out or promote. Yeah. Um, you can find me on, uh, is it Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Courtney Boyer coaching, um, Boyer is B O Y E R. And then, um, my book is called not tonight, honey, and you can find it on, on Amazon, Barnes Apple, Apple Books, um, pretty much wherever. Um, what was the last part? Uh, and if you you can email me at, at Courtney Boyer Coaching at gmail.com. So there's a theme here in terms of how you can how you can reach out to me. So I like it. Yeah. I like it. Consistency yep. makes it easy to find. That's Put- right courtneyboyer.coaching.com you know it's all it's all the same three words yeah. put together no spaces exactly. no underscores it's beautiful no nope. i love Thank it you. <laughs> <laughs> it made finding things to put in the yes. like uh overlays and the descriptions and stuff very very easy <laughs> so easy peasy much appreciated yes. uh courtney thank you yes. so much for coming on thank this was so an awesome conversation uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, if you like what you've heard so far, uh, check out the description and you can find a link to her book. You can find a link to her website. Go check that stuff out and then come on back next week. We'll have another episode. Still haven't actually booked the guest for next week. Uh, I've got most of next month booked, but next week is not. So I can't tell you who it's going to be. It's a surprise. Surprise. Yes. But until then, keep up the fight. Thank <laughs> you.